today, and uh, we are starting a brand new series on John the Baptist, and uh, we finished up our, our study on Psalm 119 last week, and uh, was thinking about where we wanted to go before school started, and have been having this thought of pointing to Christ, of, of living our lives uh, to direct others to Christ, and uh, in thinking about that, and in thinking about um, examples in the Bible of people that did that as well, uh, I was immediately drawn to John the Baptist. And we know John the Baptist's story. We know that he uh, was prophesied in Scripture in the book of Isaiah. We know that he had a miraculous birth. We know that the entire purpose of John the Baptist's life was to prepare the way for Jesus Christ. We know that he said, Behold the Lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world. We know that uh, he said, He, talking about Jesus, must increase and I must de decrease. And uh, so I want to study John for a few weeks uh, to learn from someone uh, whose entire purpose from before birth to uh, throughout his entire life was to point to Christ. How did John's life, how did the message that he brought, how did his calling all work together to be, as Isaiah said, that voice crying in the wilderness to prepare the way of the Lord? How can we learn from John to point to Christ no matter who we interact with? Because John had to deal with a lot of different people. And he always pointed to Christ, no matter the circumstances of life around us, because John's life was not easy. He had to deal with many different things. Uh, but how can we do that, no matter how it may affect us? Um, you know, I think it's interesting that Jesus called John, uh, or said about him, that there was none greater born of women. That's pretty high praise. To have Jesus, God himself, the Son of God, say of you, Nobody that was ever born of a woman is greater than you. That's pretty high praise. Uh, and, and, you know, it's, it's interesting, too, because when Jesus made that statement, indicating that he thought pretty highly of John, but that was a low point in John's life. That was when John was in prison. If you know John the Baptist story, he's in prison uh, at a time at the end of his life. And uh, he's even doubting Jesus a little bit. And yet Jesus still speaks very highly and has high praise for John. But John the, Baptist and the uh, uh, John the Baptist's mission and purpose was to point to Christ. And he literally did that throughout his entire life. And may I say that for every single one of you that are in here, if you are saved, if you are a believer in Christ, you are uh, a follower of Christ, then your mission and your purpose in life is to point to Jesus. It's to point to Jesus. That is the overarching, the all-consuming, the all-involving mission and purpose that, uh, that uh, supersedes our goals and desires and the situations and backgrounds that we find ourselves in. God will work in and through all of those things to accomplish His purpose in our life of pointing to Jesus. And so if that is my mission, if that is what God has put me on this earth to do, to point to Christ... Uh, then I want to learn what John the Baptist did uh, to be successful at that. Um, I, I, as we look at John, he pointed to Christ his entire ministry. And it wasn't very long. It was a short time on this earth comparatively. But he was successful in pointing at Christ. And so uh, how did he do that? Look at Luke chapter number 1. And um, really, to begin, before we actually look at John himself, we're going to look at where John came from. And uh, his background. 
Because I believe that that is an important part of how or why John was able to be successful in the mission of pointing to Christ. So look at verse number 5 of Luke chapter number 1. The Bible says, There was in the days of Herod the king of Judea a certain priest named Zacharias of the course of Abiah, and his wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord blameless. And they had no child, because that Elizabeth was barren, and they both were now well stricken in years. And it came to pass that while he executed the priest's office before God in the order of his course, according to the custom of the priest's office, his lot was to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. And so before we look at John the Baptist, this morning for a few minutes, I just want to look at his parents, at Zacharias and Elizabeth. And uh, I think it's interesting that both his parents, look back at verse uh, number uh, five, both of his parents were of a priestly line. We see that there was a priest, Zacharias was a priest, and in, uh, in uh, Israel uh, they had to be of the line of Aaron. Uh, the Levitical priesthood to be a priest of the course of Abiah, that's a descendant of Aaron. And his wife also was of the daughters of Aaron. So both of them have a priestly background, a priestly line. And God speaks very highly of them in verse number 6. It says they were both righteous before God. Now, not perfect, but God viewed them very highly. It says they walked in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord blameless. These were pretty good people. God has much to say of them, and I believe that he chose them to be the parents of John the Baptist for this reason. But I think there's another reason, because in verse number 7, we find out something else about them. First of all, the beginning of that says, and they had no child. So they were barren. They had no children. John the Baptist would be their first. But also, the end of that, it says, and they both were now well stricken in years. They were old. And so Zacharias and Elizabeth, John the Baptist's parents, chosen themselves for a specific purpose in God's plan. Um, God speaks very highly of them, serving servants of the Lord as priests, but they had no child and they were both old. And so as we think about John the Baptist, whose mission, whose purpose was to point to Christ, uh, if he was faithful in that mission. And I think that as we look at John the Baptist over the next couple of weeks, that we'll be all able to agree that John the Baptist was faithful to point to Jesus Christ. But if we can say that, then I believe that he got that from the example of his parents. I believe that the example of Zacharias and Elizabeth, and the reason why God chose them to have John the Baptist was so that John could see that faithfulness. And so let me say a few things about Zacharias and Elizabeth before we jump in uh, to John the Baptist. Uh, and I want to talk about their faithfulness this morning. These notes are in your handout there. Um, uh, and I forgot to give you that first blank there. On that first page, the mission of John the Baptist was to point to Christ, if you didn't already have that. But Zacharias and Elizabeth, what made them the example of faithfulness that John the Baptist needed? Or John the Baptist needed. First of all, number one, John, Zacharias and Elizabeth stayed faithful in a time of national turmoil. In a time of national turmoil. Uh, look back at verse number five again. 
The Bible says there was in the days of Herod, the king of Judea. And right there, that line tells us, and certainly we already know the historical setting of where this is taking place, the timeline, but that tells us the, the situation in the country, the, the national setting, the cultural setting for when John the Baptist is going to be born, when Zechariah and Elizabeth are living. Uh, it says that Herod, the king of Judea, was uh, in power at this time, and he was a Roman hireling in Israel. He was just a, a regional governor, basically, ruling over this area. Certainly, uh, we know from reading the Christmas story that uh, the, the, it talks about Cyrenius, governor of Syria, uh, and so the Romans in power in the world at this time um, would have regional rulers or governors Kings, sometimes they were called, uh, to rule certain regions, basically like the governor of a state today. And uh, Herod was the governor uh, or the king of Judea at this time. Uh, but more than that, uh, the, uh, the nation of Israel, uh, Judea, was under the rule of the Roman Empire at this time. They were dealing with Roman rule, the oppression uh, of the Roman Empire. And uh, certainly you can read the historical accounts of the Romans and, and uh, their interaction with the nation of Israel and some of the things that they would do and some of the things uh, that Israel had to deal with because of the Romans and, and uh, cruelties and, and uh, the persecution and oppression just because they were Jews. And that's not unlike anything that uh, the Jews have had to deal with throughout all of history. Uh, but more than just the physical persecution, the Jews also felt threatened because this culture of Rome, this Greco-Roman culture, was overtaking the world. And the uh, Jews uh, felt themselves being threatened. Their culture, their way of life, their Old Testament culture based upon the Old Testament law was, be was being threatened. And so Zacharias and Elizabeth find themselves in this place, in this uh, this nation uh, that is in turmoil, and uh, there, there is infighting between the Jews, those that were helping the Romans, those that wanted to fight against the Romans. The Jews and the Romans were fighting each other, and we find that uh, mentioned in historical accounts. And this is where Zacharias and Elizabeth found themselves. But they stayed faithful. They still served the Lord. Can I say this, all right? It is increasingly Harder and harder to stay faithful to the Lord in the time in which we live. And that has always been able to be said. But, to, but now in the day in which we live is like another. Uh, with technology, uh, with uh, the world growing increasingly more dark, uh, it is harder and harder to stay faithful. The attack on faith and true Bible Christianity that goes on all around us the church from the inside and from the outside is under constant pressure to compromise and look just like the world. And we have to ask ourselves, will we stay faithful? Will we stay faithful? The Bible says in Proverbs 26, most men will proclaim everyone his own goodness, but a faithful man who can find. I love what the Bible says about Daniel. Uh, Daniel, when uh, he was being persecuted for being faithful and the, the, the rulers under the king were trying to find a reason for Daniel to be fed to the lions uh, or to be removed out of power because the king had so much trust in him. And they could not find fault in him, the Bible says in Daniel 6.4. Why? Because he was faithful. He was faithful. Uh, listen, 
There will always be an outside pressure to compromise. You will always have an outside pressure in your life to compromise what you believe and what you know is right. You will always have that. The world, the devil, will always try to get us to come down to a level. And can I say this? Just a little bit of side note. Uh, side note: They don't do it by trying to get us to just jump in headfirst into whatever they're involved with. They don't try to just get us to jump into the mud headfirst. No, they just want us to stop doing what we know we're supposed to be doing. They don't want us to necessarily do wrong right away. The devil doesn't try to get you to fall away from what you know that what is right by offering you blatant sin for the most part. But he tries to discourage you from doing what you know is right. He tries to discourage you to stop being faithful. To stop being faithful. And it starts small. Uh, it starts when, uh, when we don't do what we know we're supposed to do. When we decide to skip a service instead of being in church. When we decide to skip a morning of reading our Bible when we could be reading it. When we fail to be a witness like we should be, like we know we should be to someone who needs to hear the gospel. Um, unfaithfulness in one area opens the door to unfaithfulness in every area. You open that door to just decide, well, it's just one area. I'm just going to not read my Bible this time. Or I'm going I'm to stop coming on Sunday nights or Wednesday nights. And certainly I know that with work and school, there are reasons, legitimate reasons, why we cannot make some things, why we can't do everything. But if we are legitimately deciding or, or just deciding to skip, just deciding to be unfaithful, then that's a dangerous, slippery slope to be in. Uh, I believe that God chose Zacharias and Elizabeth for the purpose of having John the Baptist because they were faithful. And they were faithful in this time when there was so much national turmoil, so much outside pressure. But not only that, number two, they were faithful in a time of heavenly silence. They were faithful in a time of heavenly silence. From the end of the Old Testament, chronologically, not necessarily from the end of the book of Malachi, but chronologically, from the end of the Old Testament to the beginning of the New Testament. So at this point, in Luke chapter number 1, which chronologically is the earliest point in the New Testament, there is a period of 400 years. You realize that? The Old Testament doesn't just end and the New Testament begins in, in history, in time. There's 400 years between the events of the Old Testament and the events of the New Testament. And in that time period, God is silent. God doesn't speak to his people. At least, not that is recorded in the Word of God. He doesn't work in his people's lives. He's silent. And Nations are rising and empires are falling. And in all of that, we've got the nation of Israel. Israel's occupying the promised land at this time. He's brought them back out of captivity. Uh, but they're, uh, they're doing it while it's being occupied by another force. Their faith has become a religion instead of a focus on the true God. But we still find some people who are being faithful. We find Zacharias and we find Elizabeth here. We know that Mary and Joseph have stayed faithful because God chooses to call them. We know as we read in Luke chapter number 2 uh, of Anna and Simeon who have stayed faithful, and certainly there were probably others. Uh, but God is not speaking. God is silent. 
God is not working, or at least not to where people can see, people can understand. And I find it interesting that we find uh, Luke chapter number 1 picking up with Zacharias. And Zacharias, as we already saw, is an old man. Uh, He's well stricken in years. He was not a spring chicken anymore. And yet he is still fulfilling the purpose that God had called him to. He's still fulfilling his priestly duties. Um, and I don't know, maybe God, maybe this is not recorded in Scripture, and God spoke to him. Uh, God, God worked in his life personally before this. Maybe at this point in his life, he's doing it just because it's his duty. He's just going to do it because that's what he knew he was supposed to do. And, and I find it interesting that even though God was silent, God was not working in the nation of Israel, Zacharias was still faithful. He was still doing what God had called him to do. And, and there were probably times in Zacharias' life that thoughts popped into his head. Why in the world am I doing this? Why am I going to a temple to burn incense to a God, Jehovah God, who is not doing it? He's not working. I'm sure he got questions from neighbors, maybe even from his wife, from Elizabeth, from those, the Bible says there were people outside the temple praying when he went in, Uh, maybe from people who were even there. Zacharias, what is the whole purpose behind all of this? Why are we still being faithful? Why are we still doing this? But he still went to the temple and burned incense when it was his time. The Bible says in the order of his course. When his rotation came around. When it was his turn. When he was on the schedule. He was going to go. And he was going to fulfill his duty. He was going to be faithful. Can I say this to you? There are going to be times in your life. When God goes silent. There are going to be times in your life. When God goes dark. When you don't hear from him. When it, when it seems like he's not working. But can I say this to you? It's not because he's not listening. It's not because he doesn't care. And it's not because he's not going to answer. Uh, You know, we're going to talk about God's timing because that's an important part of learning from John the Baptist. But this is part of it. In God's timing, he may just be waiting. In God's timing, he may just be waiting. Uh, He wants to know what your response will be. When he's silent, when he doesn't answer right away, when he doesn't work right away, when he doesn't move right away, what is our response to be? Unfortunately, most of us respond with impatience, frustration, a disillusionment with our faith and with God working our lives, and quitting on him instead of being faithful. Our attitude towards God in the silent times says a whole lot more than in the times when we feel we're really close to him. Your attitude, what you think about God, what your decision is, your response to your relationship with God in times when God does not seem to be speaking to you, when God does not seem to be working in your life, when it just seems like you have no idea where God is, how you respond, how you look at Him, and how you see Him, and and what you do in your relationship with Him in those times, more important than when you feel really close to Him. When it seems like God doesn't hear any of your prayers. When you don't feel like he cares. You have to ask yourself a question. You know, when when you're asking yourself, why do I really pray? It's in those silent times you have to ask yourself that. Why am I really praying? Am I only praying so God can give me answers? When the silent times come around, you have to ask, why do I serve him? Do I only serve because I just want him to bless me? Why do you serve him? 
uh, want, when in the silent times, you have to ask yourself, what do I really think about him? Is he just the magic genie in the bottle, and when I've run out of three wishes, I'm going to throw it away? What do you really think about God? In the silent times, we have to ask ourselves that. The Bible says, in, uh, in fact, uh, hold your place in Luke chapter 1. It goes to 2 Chronicles 32. You have to ask yourselves, in the silent times, are you going to pray again tomorrow? If God doesn't answer today when you pray, are you going to pray again tomorrow? If God doesn't work in your life, are you going to serve Him next week? If God doesn't seem to be meeting your needs, are you still going to cast your care upon Him? Second uh, Chronicles chapter number 32. This is the story of King Hezekiah. And I believe we talked about Hezekiah a little bit when we talked about idols. Hezekiah, one of those good kings in Israel that served God, that worked God, that brought revival to the land, took out the idols, took out the high places, all of that good stuff. But there's an interesting story about the end of Hezekiah's life. Look at verse number 31. It says, Howbeit in the business of the ambassadors of the princes of Babylon who sent unto him to inquire of the wonder that was done in the land. Look at that next phrase. God left him. God left him. Now, of all people, you could totally understand if that statement was said about one of those other kings, Ahab, uh, Jehu, some of those other kings that, you know, the Bible says were the worst of all, they were terrible, uh, was reading in Second Chronicles uh, earlier in the book, and it talks about a king that was so bad that his people didn't even want to remember him when he was dead. It doesn't say that God left any of them. It says God left Hezekiah, a good king, a king who was faithful, a, good, a king who followed, but God left him. Look what the rest of that verse says. God left him, why? To try him, that he might know all that was in his heart. See, when God is silent, when God is not speaking or when God doesn't seem to be leading you, then God may just be wanting to lay open your heart. Because he wants you to see what's inside. He wants you to know why you really do things. He wants, to know for, he wants you to know what your relationship with the Lord really means. But he also wants to make sure that you show that to him. What do you really think about him? Why do you really pray? Why do you really serve why do you, what do you really think about him? Do you really want him and do you really love him? Zacharias and Elizabeth, this was a time when God was not speaking. There didn't seem to be any reason for him to be going to the temple and he stayed faithful. Stayed faithful. And then lastly, number three there. So they stayed faithful in times of national turmoil. They stayed faithful in time of heavenly silence. But number three, they stayed faithful to God in times of personal burden. They stayed faithful to God in times of personal burden. Uh, we've already established this about them. We said they were old. Well stricken in years. I mean, they old. They old, old. And obviously Elizabeth, the Bible says, was barren. They had no child. So they are well past childbearing days. This is out of the question at this point. And what's interesting, or what's uh, important to realize about that, is that in the culture of the day, in this Middle Eastern culture, uh, that was a source of pain. Because children equaled success 
in Middle Eastern culture. If you had children, then that was a great thing. Then, then you, you were being blessed by God. Certainly we know the Bible says the children are heritage of, uh, of the Lord. Uh, that's a blessing. They're a gift from God. Um, and when someone didn't have children, then it was, they were looked upon with, you know, hmm, I wonder what, God, wonder what they did. wonder why God's not blessing them. They were looked down upon. Uh, I'm sure that Zechariah and Elizabeth, since they were old for many years now, had to deal with people talking about them. As they walked to the temple or the market, they had to deal with people staring at them. Say, oh yeah, they don't have any kids. The gossip that people would talk about, the, the surmising, why don't Zechariah and Elizabeth, what did they do that they don't have kids? I'm sure there were many tears. Lonely days. Seeing neighbors and friends that they had grown up with have kids and happy homes and families and theirs still being empty. Uh, they knew the stories that God had recorded in the Old Testament. Miraculous birth. Abraham and Sarah, old, still had kids. Uh, the birth of Samson. Uh, Samson's parents who were barren, couldn't have kids, and yet they had Samson. Uh, the Shunammite women. Uh, that uh, Elijah, that helped Elijah and Elijah, or Elisha, and Elisha prayed for her, and she, uh, although she was barren, unable to have children, still had a child. It didn't stop Zechariah and Elizabeth. Despite all of that pain, despite that personal burden that they had to face, it didn't stop them from being faithful. They still, Bible says, still followed the commandments. They walked in the commandments. They still followed, uh, walked uprightly with integrity, followed the commandments and the ordinance of the Lord, and they fulfilled their purposes in God's plan. And God blessed them because of that. They had a special purpose because of that. Listen, the test of your faithfulness is not when life is easy and God is blessing and everything seems to be going right. That is not the test of your faithfulness. The test of your faithfulness comes when there are burdens. When there are difficult times. When there are storms. Not the one we have to deal with. But storms in your life. When there are storms, that's the test of your faithfulness. There are people in here, in our church, who have lost family members, who have had to deal with the consequences of, other decision, of others' decisions. They had to deal on a daily basis the pain of a split family, the frustration of the unknown coming in the future. Even in those times, you have to ask yourself, are you going to stay faithful? Am I going to stay faithful? Are you going to thrive or are you going to throw in the towel and quit? Zacharias and Elizabeth for many years carried this burden, yet they decided to be faithful. You know, the, the, easy, the opposite response of that, of being faithful in times of burden, uh, times of burdens, for most people is bitterness. Why? Because that's the easy road to walk. To blame others, to get bitter, to get upset, to get frustrated in times of difficulty. That's the easy road to walk. But the end result is disastrous. The end result of someone who decides to be uh, bitter instead of being faithful in times of difficulty is destruction. I heard someone say that uh, being bitter is like swallowing poison and expecting it to kill someone else. It doesn't work. We have to choose to be faithful. I'm thankful that there are examples of people in our church, people in this room, who have stayed faithful in times of that. Clarissa, I'm thankful for you and your family. You guys have stayed faithful. Aaron, thankful for you guys 
Stay faithful in times of burden. I'm thankful for the Garcias. They're not in here. Stay faithful in times of burden. I'm thankful for other people. Those that are dealing with, with sickness in our church. Those of you that, that know the houses. For the house comes in on his little scooter. Um, dealing with, with sickness. He's not able to get all, out all the time. And when he, but when he is, he's here. Staying faithful. Um, those that have wayward children. Staying faithful. Boy, listen. Faithfulness is not revealed in smiles and sunshine. It's revealed in tears and storms. That's when faithfulness is revealed, and whether or not we're going to stay faithful. Uh, listen, John the Baptist had a foundation of faithfulness, and I believe that's what allowed him to be the great man, the example that allowed him to stay pointing to Jesus. And if you and I are going to be effective in fulfilling our mission and our purpose of pointing to Christ, and we've got to be faithful. So we didn't get into John the Baptist at all today. All right. So come back next week because we're going to start actually looking at the life of John the Baptist. And I promise that the Lord will have something for us if we do. All right.